Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. How are you? Monday morning has arrived, and we are ready for another week. And it's it's full scrubs day here on midday in the Element Well Studios. Uh, I'm not Gerard. You're not Rhino, so it works out great. That's right. We have uh, the bullpen has taken over pitching staff, and here we are. And uh, I'm going to tell you what. A little cooler out there this morning. A little bit, but Will, I want to tell you what, it's going to get worse. I'm looking at a map, and that's I've got it up because that's what I wanted to start with. You don't see this very often. The Jackson, Mississippi office of the National Weather Service uh, made a Facebook post this morning with two maps. One for dangerous fire conditions, the other one for frost likely, and it's the same map. <laughs> look, look, look at this. Look, look over here. We have a special in-studio guest right now. As Perez came wandering in just to stare at me with his head over on one side like a cocker spaniel that's puzzling over a squirrel. How you doing? Come on, sit down. Have a seat. Come on, man. man. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I played four hours of radio. No, but you're the one walked in here, man. I didn't know it was you. Who did you think it was? I thought it was Gerard. It says Gerard on the door. Well, yeah, but come on. Does that door ever open? Yeah, you're there. You're there. You have a seat. You walked in here at your fault. Blame me. Yes, we always do. What are you doing? Usually, it's, you're just not in the room when we blame you. So, uh, so what is this? What is this? Are you getting all the Twitter over the uh, coming frost? Oh yes. Yeah, I can't feel my feet most days in summer. That's just old age days. I'm sorry. There is no need to be personal. (laughs) No need whatsoever. Truthful is what I was trying to be. (sighs) It's the same thing some days. (laughs) You know that. Uh, Yeah, we've got, uh, it's going to get down to around 30, looks like, here in the Jackson area. So... Um, can I build a fire in here? No, you cannot, because there's a burn ban. That's what. That, this is a problem. These two things coming together, you can't light anything to warm yourself, and you're going to freeze. I'm not going to freeze. I made it through the winter of whatever year that was. You know, was it 21? It was a dark time. 
<laughs> the winner of 21? We sound like our great-grandfather. <laughs> have they started replaying it in the almanac yet? Yeah. They're going to have those little feature the pieces. The winner of 21. All I know for sure is... that's a Gordon Lightfoot song somewhere. <laughs> the first and last time that Perez and I will stand side-by-side side and contemplate eating a two-week-old bagel. <laughs> we were there in the hotel, and we were both like, boy, that's looking pretty good. We haven't eaten in a day. I'm not... I'm not really. You don't realize how dependent you are on going somewhere to get something to eat until there's nowhere to go. At a refrigerator full of food. Yeah, at the house. At the house. <laughs> you weren't at the house. I couldn't get to. Neither was I. <laughs> oh, I was texting back and forth with my wife down in Macomb. She was eating fine. It was. It was a great time. Everybody was enjoying themselves. But yeah, not up here. Somebody was in Clinton and couldn't get out. Oh yeah. I yeah, my cat uh, fell through the pool. <laughs> my pool froze over and we let our little cat out and it, it the cat walked on the, the i didn't know that it was doing this of course it walked on the ice and it fell through if he had nine lives he used up about eight of them because he escaped and lived and is still alive today i i love animals but i'm just gonna say will don't take it personally perez and i had a different experience of the winter ice storm than you did <laughs> We were we were doing DJs on ice in the middle of County Line Road, and you were watching your cat pat dog paddle. I, I think we've got you beat on this one. It was like the Donner Pass up here. You know, you're about to. <laughs> I didn't get quite that hungry, but we were headed in we that were direction. Headed in that direction. When we finally slid down the hill to Denny's, and they said, "I'm sorry, we're out of food." I looked at him, and I'm like, "Okay, one of these people's going on the grill because." <laughs> That's the point we're at now. So, yes, we got another bout of that coming. I am so grateful. Thanks. Yeah. Just trying to pump you up. I think I'll go home now. It's not going to be quite that because, you know, for us to have that kind of ice, we'd have to have precipitation, which is part of our problem. You know, you can walk across the river. <laughs> what river? You can walk across the ditch. Yes. Oh, the, the, the big ditch between us and Louisiana. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's, have you seen the pictures of that? It's ridiculous. They're finding stuff that has been missing for years. They found a 19th century boat. <laughs> they found several cars, one that was from 1988. Um, they found a jawbone, a human jawbone, which is a little scary. Where's the rest of them? I, they, that, they're That's looking a- for him right now. <laughs> Remember when uh, Lake Me first started losing water? Yes. People who have been killed by the by some organization, <laughs> professionals, professionals. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not dropping the M word. Not a chance. Anyway, people. They, Memphis? No. Nah, no. Nah. Oh, okay. You said the M word. Madras. Oh, okay. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Sorry. My my mistake. Anyway, they people just kept coming up. Barrels. The big barrels. And people would be in there and go, how long has Luciano been gone? (laughs) I don't know. Since about five minutes after the barrel sank, that's how long he had been gone. (laughs) And surprise! (coughs) He's back. The bobber is back at the top. Yep, that, so... I can understand. Yeah, so they better be careful. You never know what you're going to find out there, where the river used to be. Don't worry, it'll come back. I mean, if it doesn't, do we take the bridges down? What happens? 
Some of the bridges aren't worth keeping up from right now anyway. And we go right into the highway department. Thank you. That's, that's very nice. It's, see how much trouble you can cause for me before you get out of here. I, I appreciate it. I'm going to hang until the break, then I'm okay. going home. Okay. <laughs> Brian in Madison says, has Jimmy Hoffa turned up yet? Hoffa did not go out west. Yeah, very true. Hoffa went east. Well, and, you know, they had that thing where the guy whose dad owned a junkyard, who was friends, said that he was buried in a barrel. Right. At the edge of the property, and they went out, and they've done radar and whatnot, and said, ah, nah, nah. So are we back to he's mixed into the concrete at the stadium now? What? I'm, I'm going to go with that one. I like that one. It's a better story. <laughs> it's a much better story. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't uh, I don't think we're ever going to really know. And do we, do we want to know? Well, at this point, do we care, I think, is the bigger question. That would be true. By the way, I, I want you to pass something along to Paul for me. I didn't get a chance to talk to him today. The other morning I heard you you and him talking, and you asked him if he knew any drummers, if he could name any drummers from bands. And he said, I don't know any drummers. Didn't, he, didn't, didn't he end up naming Ringo? He did finally name Ringo, and I'm like, it takes you this long to name Ringo. <laughs> One of the very few people on the planet with first name recognition. You say Ringo, no one ever says Ringo who? Ringo Smith, the guy yeah. that they counted over at, yeah. across the way there? Ringo, yeah. Ringo Wahulowitz that runs the hardware store down there. No, 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 you know who Ringo is. And it took him forever. Well, I would have gone with, with at least Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts? Or Ringo. And Ringo keeps getting sick. Has Ringo understood that he's 82? No. No, he has no way. Well, he's got COVID. Yeah, um, he had COVID. Then he said, uh, we're going to play tonight. And then he came back and said, no, apparently my doctor says I'm sick. <clears throat> okay, when the doctor has to tell you you're sick, you didn't know. Right. Do you know that part of your brain that's a radio brain that yes. tells you when the stuff you can I almost turned it off, but it. It's a, it's an automatic thing, but at some point you got to say, "I'm 82. Why don't I just stay at the house? I'm going to go home, get my stepladder, clamber up on top of that giant stack of bundles of twenties that I use for a bed, and just take a nap. Sometimes that's the best decision to make. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not advocating that everybody stop doing anything, but. Skip and Pearl, Neil Pert. Also with Charlie Watts. Yes. They they are they are duetting right now. Ringo's warming up. <laughs> I gotta go. I got to go. You started it, man. You started. <laughs> Perez. Always a pleasure. I hope to never see you again mm. when there's frost on anything. Cupcake. You have to realize, Perez and I got a lifetime of inside jokes out of about four days. It felt like a lifetime. <laughs> it really did. We continue on Middays live at the Element Wealth Studios next.
Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi. Middays on a Monday, live in the Element Wealth Studios. I uh, had somebody ask about it on the C Spire text line, and I want to get it out there just basically to try to beat Super Talk Mississippi News for bragging rights in the hall. Uh, but they have arrested the second suspect in the Oxford hit and run. Yes, yeah, so if you haven't heard, um, I guess tell them a little bit about what happened after the football game uh, on Saturday, pretty tragic incident. It was about 1, one fifteen in the morning, Sunday morning after the game was over, uh, parking lot behind City Hall in Oxford. Uh, it was two Tennessee people, two Tennessee residents that were uh, involved in this. Uh, Walker Fielder, 21 years old from Madison, uh, was injured and ultimately died of those injuries in the hospital after being taken to the hospital. Run over. Uh, the two Tennessee people just ran over. And two I believe people an, in the another person lot. as well was, was Yes, hit. Uh, a woman is in the hospital. Haven't released her name yet, uh, but she had pretty serious injuries. Uh, this morning, Seth Rokitka, I guess, I don't know how you would pronounce it, R-O-K-I- TKA, uh, T-K-A uh, is the name. He was taken into custody. They found his truck wrecked in Marshall County. Had to tow it in. They impounded it. Uh, they're going to have more information after the charges are official and formal. Uh, so now both of the suspects are in custody. Uh, Mayor Robin Tannehill uh, made a post on Facebook yesterday uh, talking about everything that had happened and how saddened she was. It was not a good weekend football-wise, just across the board. Uh, another story, high school story here in Mississippi, if you didn't hear, yeah. uh, down in Wesson, of all places, uh, they had a a helmet-slinging fight out on the field. Before it was over with, the police were on the field, from what I have been told, Clearing things out, there there was problems everywhere. There was gunfire reported outside later, from what I understand. I haven't verified that yet. Uh, I do know there was gunfire, and somebody killed just across the line down in Bogalusa, Louisiana, at their high school football game Friday night. Mm-hmm. And in Lake High, if you haven't heard yes. about that, uh, Lake High, a football player was killed, I believe it was Friday morning, um, at the intersection of Old Highway 80 and Johnsontown Road. Uh, no, it was Thursday night. Sorry, Thursday night. He was shot and killed. Uh, that's in Scott County. And they're still looking for the suspect in that. That was That's incredibly tragic. It was a senior um, player. His name's Travis Jones. I believe there was a 13-year-old in the car with him who was transported to the hospital. That's the latest that I've heard on it. Um, that's... You know, whenever you lose a high school kid, we you know it's not uncommon. You'll have we had one earlier this year. We had a, a player killed in a wreck, um, but to have one in a shooting is that's rough. That is rough. Well, 
And he was apparently a really just Travis Jones of Lake High was apparently a really good kid too. Yeah, everything that uh, that you read, everything that you've heard, everyone that they've talked to, uh, he he was one of the good ones. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's how it works a lot of times. But some of this uptick in these kind of things, I think, can be attributed to us knowing more than we ever have before. And by that, I mean news spreads so much more rapidly yeah, and so much reason. further. That's yeah. part of it, but that's not the whole story. There is an uptick in this. You can look at the statistics, and you can see that there is an uptick in all of these kinds of problems. I hear people all the time. I have people come up to me all the time and say, where does this end? How do we stop this? How do we bring this to a screeching halt and get back to what we laughingly considered normal? Keep in mind, by the way, when things were normal, the the normal we were trying to we're trying to get back to now. Yeah, we were griping about that too. Yeah, we're always going to complain, but we we it's every week, it's every day almost. We have a tragic story like this that we have to deal with. There are no easy answers. Let's say that right up front. But what do we do to nudge things back in that direction? Well, I think part of, you have. I think part of it people have to recognize is that crime was had been heading down for about a decade, maybe more. Uh, crime, really violent crime, I will say, peaked in the, the mid '90s. It was really, really bad, and then it it just started going down for whatever reason. I'm, I'm sure there were many reasons, but um, you can look at crime, violent crime stats, and they just started really going down. Now that wasn't to say there wasn't any violent crime because there certainly was, but Compared to the way things were headed in the early 90s, early to mid-90s, it really eased off a bit. So I think we're on an upswing now, um, and part of it is the Internet, that you can see much more than you could before. You know, used to, you would only see what you, you know, read the newspaper or saw on the nightly news, and there was only so much they could fit in those tiny spaces Nowadays, with the Internet, you're constantly getting updates. Like all these stories we just told you that happened here in the um, state of Mississippi, um, you get all that stuff, whereas before you would have to you know, sit there and, and seek it out and find it, and hopefully you caught it on time during the nightly news, otherwise you would have missed it. Or you'd see it in the in the newspaper two days later, three days later. Yeah. Uh, which removes some of the immediacy from it, which removes some of the emotional impact from it. Because when you get multiple things over the course of 24 hours that pop up on your social media feeds, just bam, 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 it looks like that's the entire world. That's everything that's going on is bad. Uh, the other part that contributes to that, and we we talk about the algorithm all the time and artificial intelligence and all of those things. You do realize that Facebook is basically you're 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 training it to show you more of the same. You are mm-hmm. creating your own echo chamber if you always react to the bad news and and leave a a crying face or a comment or something like that. Guess what you're going to be shown more of yeah. than other kinds of news. That's the way it works. And that's another side of it is that uh, news sites, um, a lot of them will produce more, you know, content. Oh, wow! This if it bleeds, it leads is the old saying, um, and they're desperate for clicks. A lot of these websites and like 
a lot of the national media is the same way. They're desperate for clicks and views, and so if it bleeds, it leads, and that's what they're doing. They're putting that in the forefront. I was gonna, I was gonna read you some stats. Robbery rates fell by over twenty three percent across the U.S. over the past decade, while violent crime is up twelve percent over the past decade. So you've got, um, you got violent crime increasing while um, property crime is actually going down. Um, which mid- tells me it's not financially motivated. It's crimes of the heart. It's people yeah. getting all up in their feelings and getting upset and getting mad, which is the direction we're all being led to to go. Yeah, I mean, you see it. Gosh, I mean, it's just some depraved people out there nowadays. And these, a lot of these Democrat cities that have these um, crazy um, district attorneys that People like George Soros and others are funding, and that's happening here in Mississippi too, by the way, uh, in case you didn't know. Um, that's not helping. I mean, look at – you have a, a huge movement right now to get rid of the bail system. Yes. So if somebody goes out there and they commit a crime, you'll see them back out on the streets later that day. Yes. I'm, we're talking about violent crimes too, not just – you know, somebody you know stole somebody's purse. We're talking about sexual assault, stuff like that. They are wanting to get rid of the bail system completely. Just let them go on their own recognizance. Just just let them walk out the door, do whatever they want to do. Uh, that has been a push for a while, and that has been a Democratic push for a while. Back a couple of years ago, they had a serious debate down in Macomb on the city board. They wanted to do away with all misdemeanors. That wasn't the first time you've heard about that. won't be the last either, because that is one of the talking points that the liberal side of things uses. You know, a misdemeanor, well, it's not that bad of a crime. They, they shouldn't really have to go to jail for, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem was when we looked it up and we started doing research, uh, there's a price on that, a, a value of property that you can steal. There's various types of crimes that you can commit. And we had a laundry list of things that you could walk out of your house and go do. And if we did away with misdemeanors, you wouldn't even set foot in the jail. It was just wow. one. You could break into somebody's house and steal their TV and, you know, that kind of stuff. So there has to be some common sense that goes along with this. It's a problem. It has to be dealt with. It has to be addressed. But it has to be addressed in a sensible manner. And I'm not sure we're equipped to do that. I'm sorry. I just don't know that we've got the tools to do it in a sensible manner right now. Because nothing is sensible. Speaking of which, Kanye's making a purchase. You're going to love this one. We'll talk about it next on Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios. Talk.fm. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back. Middays live in the Element Wealth Studios on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes in today. Uh, the Element Wealth Studios. You can go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find balance between your income, your growth, and your guarantees. Now, Right before the break, I was talking about Kanye. Let's run down the current social media scoreboard. Elon Musk is buying Twitter. Donald Trump started up Truth Social when everybody kicked him off. Now everybody is kicking Kanye West off. Uh, so he has decided to buy Parler. Do you remember Parler, Will? I do. It was that social media site that was very similar to Twitter that was one of the first kind of different or slash alternative social media sites when people started getting kicked off of the big players like Facebook and Twitter, right? Right. And it's been kind of struggling along. Well, uh, Parler has come out and made the announcement. They're going to close it by the end of the year that Kanye West is buying Twitter, so uh, buying Parler. So we've got Elon and Twitter, Kanye and Parler, Donald Trump and Truth Social, so I guess this is kind of like collecting Pokemon. If you're a billionaire, you're going to have a social media network. Is this how this is going to work now moving forward? You know, it, it, that's a good point. It looks like it's going to be that way. Yeah. I, I, Second you hit that third comma, guess what? You get yourself a social media network, my friend. Have fun. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. I'm, I'm is this going in a bad direction, or is it just me? And that's not a comment on the content of any of them, just just the overall I, I concept. I don't think it's bad. I don't, the reason why is because you don't want everything concentrated into one social media group, because then that social media group controls the conversation. So what's happening with Twitter right now is Twitter is, by comparison to, like let's say, Facebook, incredibly small. Yes. There's like... One percent of Americans use Twitter, two percent, maybe as high as five percent. They really don't know. But it's not many, whereas everybody and their grandmother has a Facebook page. Well, that's part of Facebook's problem, though. Everybody and their grandmother has one. Everybody 30 and below doesn't. Yeah. So they have to go somewhere else. But with Twitter, it's like it's a very small group of people on there, but they're a very influential group on there, and 80 percent of them are super liberal. And so the White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, spends 80% of his day on Twitter retweeting, and that's where I think that's where they get a lot of their policy decisions from, is they say, hey, this thing got a lot of clicks, a lot of likes, and a lot of retweets. Guess what? That sounds like a good idea. Let's put that forward, and we'll get more likes, comments, and retweets. Yeah, the problem is we have somehow managed to lose sight of the fact that if you walk into church on Sunday morning and preach the gospel, you're going to get a lot of amens. And that's what we wind up doing on social media. Yeah. It's what I mentioned earlier. You create your own echo chamber, and eventually you train the algorithm, whichever one you're looking at, and it shows you more of what you already like and already think. That's exactly right. Those those echo chambers, when we say echo chamber, what we mean is if you're on social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and you have a friend or there's a, a media company out there that's putting out content and you, you don't agree with their politics, so you block them. Now you're not getting all these dissenting voices. You're only hearing what you want to hear. 
And that's that's what we call an echo chamber. You're only hearing what you want to hear echoed throughout, throughout. So you believe that the world is this way because guess what? On social media, that's all you see. Yes. So obviously that's the way it is. And that's how we wind up with some of the politics that we get, like like you were talking about on Twitter. If you go on there and you, you, you're, uh, let, let's say you're a, a, a way out to the left leftist. Mm-hmm. And you go on there and you block all the conservatives because those people are crazy. Yep. Uh, so you don't want to see any of their stuff. And you like and follow all of the people that have the same mindset you do. Well, you load up Twitter and scroll down the feed and everybody's agreeing with you. So obviously you're right. There's nobody telling you you're wrong. And it works in the other direction, too. Uh that is, to me, the worst thing social media has done. It has made it easy to not be challenged. Yep, that's that's exactly right. And for meet large media companies, NBC News, ABC News, most of them, I would say, outside of maybe Fox, is they look at those retweets and they say, you know what, we posted something that was positive about gun control. Man, people must really want gun control. Let's do more gun control stories. But they're doing that because 80% of Twitter is super liberal. Twitter, yes. There's a saying, Twitter is not real life, and that's what's happening. And it's driving a lot of these policies. Well, and I say the same thing all the time about Facebook. I say it all the time. Facebook is not real life. Quit thinking Facebook is real life because I see people all the time when an important issue comes up and people are upset about it and they don't like it and they want things to change. They go leave a comment on somebody else's post or if they're really ambitious, make their own post on Facebook about it. And then they get that little dopamine rush. They get that little dot of serotonin that lets them know they did something to fight for what they believe in. And then they go on about their business and don't do anything else. And I hate to be the one to break it to you. That doesn't do anything. It does nothing. In order, the most effective ways to make sure that the people in charge, the people you vote for, know what you think and what you want them to do while they're representing you nothing top of the top of the list nothing beats face to face conversation that that's number 1 number 2 is a phone call number 3 i'm going to throw a weird one out here for you you may have to explain to the kids what i'm talking about a handwritten letter not an email not a text Not something typed out and you signed at the bottom. I'm talking about a handwritten letter with a stamp on the front of it. That'll get more attention than an email or anything else. Way down at the bottom of the list. Way down. I'm talking about below telling their uncle about it and asking him to have a word with them. Below that is leaving a comment on one of their posts on Facebook. They're not going to read it. Yeah. And it, it's we have been conditioned to anything we see on Facebook. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, fine. It's not going to have the impact that you think. So we have to get out of the mindset that social media is real life. It's not. It's it's really not. And it's you hear all this misinformation stuff. You know, how many times do you do you hear? Well, I saw it on Facebook. I mean, a lot of times it's not it's not true. And you these sketchy websites. That's another. I mean, there's so many issues with the internet and sharing information but that's another one is these sketchy websites that claim you know the big one's coming or you know this is going to happen and it just doesn't but i think getting back to the original point i think all these social media channels i think diversifying them would be a good thing that way you don't have all your eggs in one basket because whoever controls 
whatever the big social media. We'll look at Facebook, which is the largest one by far, and the Hunter Biden deal. Yes, Jeff Zuckerberg or Mike, Mark Zuckerberg uh, admitted on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day that, and Joe Rogan asked him, he said, "You know, you guys suppressed this Hunter Biden story right around election time in 2020. Why did you do that?" He said, well, we got approached by the FBI, and we decided we were going to you know, knock it down a couple pegs on the algorithm so you didn't see it as much. That was a huge, huge deciding factor for an election. Yes. And, and of course, not to anyone's surprise, you notice how much media attention that admission by Mark Zuckerberg got. It got mentioned a couple of times, and it very quickly went away, and we're not going to talk about that. Again, because they can control what you see. It's like the old outer outer limits intro. Remember the outer limits? They we control what you see and what you hear, and we can we control the horizontal. <laughs> we control the vertical. Did they do? Yes. That's why if if all of America is on one social media platform, or all the influential Americans are on one social media platform, like they are with Twitter or most of them, um, that's a bad thing. You don't want that. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, imagine if there was only one, like, you know, Soviet days, there was only one news channel. Pravda. Yeah. There was only one newspaper, and you got all your information from there. Well, whoever controls that controls what you think. Yes. Whether you want to admit it or not. And then controls your life, controls what happens, controls everything about you, because that is the only surefire way to control someone is to control their mind, control what they think, control how they react to things. It's a great quote quote from, I've mentioned him before, one of my favorite authors, science fiction author Robert Heinlein, who said, a free man whose mind is free cannot be controlled. He can only be killed. But if you want control, you got to control their minds. The tricky part is sometimes your mind's being controlled and you're not aware of it because you think you're fighting the good fight because that's what they want you to think. So this has been a bit... We need to get Perez back in here and talk about ice skating counting line again because this got really deep and dark, didn't it? Let's try to... Reese and Clarksdale, yes, and write that letter in cursive. What is that? Let's not go crazy here, Reese. Come on, uh, baby steps, man, baby steps. We're live in the Element Wealth Studios. We'll continue next on Middays. Keep it here. Listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi, Dave Hughes here. 
The Florida killer clown trial has been delayed now because they have too many clowns. There's your news. Good night, everybody. Now I'll fill in the details. It was back in 1990. Uh, this woman was arrested a few years ago because she supposedly went up to this woman's house dressed as a clown, full face paint, balloon, handed her a present, and then pulled out a gun, shot her in the face, and killed her. Well, the woman that has been arrested was working for the the victim's husband at the time. After she was dead, this woman married that guy. They've been together this whole time. Well, now they're having a trial. She says she didn't do it. Of course, that's the way that always works. Now they've had to delay the trial because prosecutors, finally, they said they had no such documents. And now, as it turns out, oh, well, it's, it, it was under the credenza. We missed it. They went and found this file that includes the names and contact information for roughly 40, this is their wording, 40 credible clown sighting leads. That that may be the first time that sentence has ever been used in a court of law. But the judge granted a stay so the defense can track down all the other clowns that were running around loose in that area of Florida at the time uh, to make sure that they weren't involved in any way. So if in 1990 uh, you were in Florida and dressing up as a clown, they, they might like to have a word with you. Sounds ludicrous, but this is the news. That's on Fox News. Good grief. Yeah, that's where we're at. Speaking of Fox News, by the way, the uh, latest poll that is out, the latest Fox News poll has a 46% approval rating for President Biden, the highest approval rating he's had in nine months. Really? Yes. That's a Fox News poll. It's not CNN. It's not MSNBC. That's the Fox News poll says he's got a 46% approval rating, the highest in nine months, less than a month from the midterm elections. Hmm. That's interesting. That's a bit surprising. Because Republicans are currently surging in these Senate and House races. After the Dobbs decision was uh, handed down, or leaked and then handed down, you saw Republicans take a dip in the polls as far as the Senate races and House races across the nation. Now they're starting as... People are kind of putting Dobbs and all that kind of stuff in the um, behind them. Gas prices starting to eat back up. I know they're up about thirty cents from where maybe forty, fifty cents in some places from where they were just a few weeks ago. Inflation is not going away. The stock market continues to sputter. Um, so all this stuff is helping the Republicans. You've also had some bad headlines um, for the Democrats here recently. So now. You're starting to see Republicans across the board, their poll numbers are improving. So that is interesting that Biden's numbers are going up as well. The Fox News poll was conducted amongst 1,206 registered voters nationwide, margin of error plus or minus 2.5%. Uh, 46% back in January, he was at 47%, so he has gone up just a little bit. And that is weird. Hmm. Especially when you consider 538, which is not the most conservative of outlets on the face of planet Earth, no, uh, has his approval rating at 43. Hmm. Fox Fox's poll has a higher approval rating wow. for Biden than 538 does. I mean, it, this is how crazy it's getting. That is so strange. This is how it, crazy it's getting in Oregon. 
there are, I mean, you might see a Republican governor. They haven't had a Republican governor in Oregon since the late 80s, okay? Phil Knight, the uh, found, one of the founders of Nike, is giving millions of dollars to the Republican candidate because he says they're too liberal. Yes. He's not wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong. That's how kind of topsy-turvy things are right now. Um, and that, I can't remember her name, but um, that person may win in Oregon. Yes. Yes. Anybody that tells you they know how this election is going to turn out is trying to sell you something. Not a clue. Mm. Then you've got some people that are taking the talking points a bit too far. Uh, Blake Masters, Republican candidate for Senate in Arizona, running against Mark Kelly, uh, is claiming in live events that the election has been stolen from him. They don't vote until next month. And he's already saying the election has been stolen. That I don't agree with. My dude. I've seen your polling numbers. You're at 16%. I understand what you're talking about. You're looking for a reason at this point. He's a bad candidate. Yes, obviously. News from Fox and Supertalk Mississippi News. After the break, Hank Burdine's going to join us and explain just what parts of the river you can walk across without getting your knees wet. That's after the news. Keep it here. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, hour number two of Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes here, and we mentioned last hour about how low the Mississippi River is, and it's not just the Mississippi River, but when we start talking about the river and anything going on, there is one person to turn to, and this is the person... Uh, the most knowledgeable person I have ever met about any subject, but certainly on the Mississippi River, I, I consider him to be the top uh, expert with the Mississippi Levy Commission. Hank Burdine joins us on the show. How are you today, Hank? Boy, you sure just tooted my whistle on that introduction now. <laughs> <laughs> you got to you got to live up to it now, Hank. Oh, I got you. That's a big. Set of boots to fill right there, but no, I'm just so happy to be back on here and chat with y'all, and we just jumped right into it. I I was out on the Mississippi River all day yesterday. It was a beautiful day. It was cool and crisp. Didn't rain, but uh, man, we low water right now. Today we are the lowest in our recorded history since 1941. In 76 and 2012, we got down to 6.9. That's on the Greenville gauge now. We got down to 6.7 and 64, and we're at 6.5 today. Now, one interesting thing about those numbers, in 2011, we had the biggest flood of our recorded history. We carried 26% more water than we had in the 1927 flood. 
yet because of the MRT project, we didn't lose one acre of ground that wasn't supposed to get wet, nor did we lose one life. And a year after that, we got down to the lowest point we'd been since 1941, and we just broke that low point uh, today at 6.5. Now, there's no rain or relief in the forecast, and we got to understand something. When we say, oh, we got a big rain coming in Mississippi, that doesn't do anything for the Mississippi River. The 80% of the water that comes into the up the lower Mississippi River comes out of the Ohio River Basin. Only about 20% comes out of Missouri. Now, the majority of the sediment load comes from Missouri, but the water comes from the Ohio Basin. So when we're praying for a rain to put a little more water back in this river, we need to pray for the rain up in the Ohio Basin. And all these hurricanes that came through didn't help that situation out at all. Now let me ask. Let me ask you this, Hank. With the river being that low, is is all the river traffic, the barges, the boats, everything else, is that just at a standstill right now? Well, no, it's not. Uh, I was on the river, like I said yesterday. I put in at Lake Ferguson. Within the harbor at Lake Ferguson, there uh, there were between 150 to 200 loaded barges inside Lake Ferguson Harbor waiting to get out on the river. Some of these barges had been loaded before we got low. Therefore, they were loaded to capacity. They cannot go out into that river until we get some more water in it. Now they're having to light load these barges to about half draft, which increases the cost big time in shipping on the river. Now, the river is open. We had a grounding around Marsville a couple of weeks ago. They had to shut it down until we brought the dredges in. Uh, we brought the Hurley in to do that. We have two Corps of Engineers dredges, the uh, Jadwin and the Hurley, and uh, they run up and down the river and try to keep these low spots open to traffic. Now, we got to understand something, too, that because of the Flood Control Act of 1928, that authorized the Mississippi River and Tributaries Project, which is in charge of navigation, flood control, tributary improvement, harbor control, on the Mississippi River. And in that law, we're required to keep an eight-foot draft open. Now, that is done by the MRT project where we put in a series of dikes to send the river where we want the river to be, and we revent the other side of it, and that constricts the water during the high-water time and it allows the flow of that river to scour the bottom out to help keep the channel open. So we're fighting right now. We've got some low spots that have to run in and take care of to keep it going. I want people to understand the Mississippi Basin itself carries 92% of the United States ag exports within the confines of that Mississippi River Basin. It all comes down to that Mississippi River majority of it. 78% of the global exports of feed grains and soybeans come down that river. Now, when you say, well, why is the river so important? Well, when it's carrying that much of the grains and everything down there, you got to understand what happens when the uh, barges are carrying the grain. A barge will carry something like 17 railroad cars and 70 trucks. 
Well, that's a lot of trucks that are not going to be on the highway burning up all that fuel and everything if they're on the barges. Now, your trucks generate 40, no, your trucks generate 370% more CO2 into the atmosphere where your railroads, based on the barge load we're talking about, create 40% more. So it's much more efficient to move on the river in those barges, and we got to keep that river open. Right now, your grain bins are about full to capacity. We got a lot of barges that are loaded. We're still in our harvest season right now. So, what we got to pray for is more rain up in Ohio to get this river back up to a sustainable level. Well, let me ask you this uh, uh, two parts here. Number one, you, you talked about there's no relief in sight, and there's not, at least in the immediate future. Is there a chance that the river could go even lower than it is now? The river is planned and scheduled to go lower based on the forecast that we have. Now, how much lower? We get may get down to about six foot. Now, this is on the Greenville gauge. Every gauge is different. So what does that mean? We're going to have some more areas that are going to be closed until they can get in there and open them up. Our river traffic will continue, but the lower it gets, the more problems we have, and we're stretched pretty thin on our dredges. Now, they will bring in private dredges when we have to, when the Redmond or the Hurley are busy somewhere. But uh, it's pretty tight time out there right now. Well, and my other question, let, let's say that a miracle happens, and we have an enormous thunderstorm up in the Ohio Basin that happens in the next 24 hours. How long before the river gets back up to, to a non-crisis level once we start seeing rain up there? But depending on how much rain falls up there, it's going to take four or five days, six days, seven days, for that water to get to work its way on down here. Now, you know, as dry as everything is, your tributaries got to fill up with water, your groundwork got to fill up with water. I mean, I had a friend that had an inch rain on his farm last week, and he was out rowing up the next day. I mean, the ground just sucked it up. So it's going to take a good rain and a series of good rains to get this river back up where it needs to be. So this is a problem we just have to deal with for the foreseeable future. Is there a, a, a possibility that it could fall to the level to where we can't deal with it and it's just not usable until it goes back up? I would certainly hope not. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stick my nose in that briar patch. But uh, let's hope it doesn't do that. Let's hope that uh, we're able to keep it going because there is a there's a lot of traffic out on that river. Uh, you know, within I was sitting on a sandbar contemplating the situation yesterday, and within the two or three hour time, there were three or four boats that came by there. One was a big triple screw boat that was pushing part of two barges. Now, those barges, half of them were empty and half of them were half loaded. So he was okay, but there's some areas in that river that I came through that are pretty narrow. And, uh, you know, when you get two or three boats trying to pass on a stretch like that, one's got to stop and let the other one come through, and then he's got to come on up through. So we're still operating right now, and hopefully we're going to be able to continue to do that.
Uh, I'm sure by now everyone has seen the pictures that are being shared on social media up and down the river of of boats just sitting on dry land because the water receded out from under them. They weren't using the boat at the time, and, and nobody caught it, and it just it stranded them, basically. Uh, so this is a problem, but this isn't a problem that just happened overnight. This has been an ongoing drought situation that has led to this. Well, I don't know if it's climate uh, change or anything like that. Uh, we, you know, you can look historically at cycles when we don't have much rain and the river gets low. And there are other cycles that have come through when we do get a lot of rain in the winter and the springtime and, and we have flooding conditions. So, you know, to jump into whether it's climate change or Donald Trump's fault or whatever some of them like to say it is, you know, I don't know that I can go there right now. What I would like to say... Well, I tell you what, if you can hold on to it, uh, Hank, we'll do it after the break. We're up against the break. Come on. Yeah, we'll be right back with Hank Burdine as we continue because there's more than just the Mississippi River to talk about that's having problems right now. We'll get into that next here on Middays in the Element Wealth Studios on Super Talk Mississippi. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do How high is the water, mama? I met her accidentally in St. Paul, Minnesota. And it tore me up every time I heard her drawl, Southern drawl. Then I heard my dream went back downstream, cavorting in Davenport, and I followed you, Big River, when you called. Somebody needs to redo that and take Big out right now. Johnny Cash and Big River bringing us back into the Element Wealth Studios. On middays, as we have a conversation with Hank Burdine, and I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, Hank, in the middle of a, a thought, and I'll let you get right back to it. Yeah, but boy, you got me grinning with Johnny, Johnny Cash singing "Big River," man. He he knew all about it because he went through a lot of them floods. Now, he he knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. All right, let me jump back in here. One thing I want to say here before we go into a little something else here is the Mississippi River and Tributaries Project. We, the government has spent $17.3 billion on that project over the years, yet it has, that project has prevented over $2 trillion worth of damages. That's a 117 to 1 benefit to cost ratio. There's not another program in the United States that's done that. And so we are mighty proud of that system. We're only 85% complete on it. We've got a little bit more to go on it. And we're doing it every year incrementally. The one part of our job is to, uh, the levy board commissioner is to canvas, uh, Congress and go up there with our congressmen and our senators and ask for money. Now, uh, we normally asking anywhere from about 500 million to 600 million a year for the Mississippi River tributaries project from St. Louis down to New Orleans. And normally every year we either get that or more. So our congressmen know the importance of this system. And Senator Sidney Hyde-Smith and Roger Wicker are on top of it. Congressman Benny Thompson understands it, too. And uh, uh, hopefully that, uh, you know, 
not going to be long, he'll understand the really importance of finishing up parts of this thing, which is the Yazoo backwater pump. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But another thing that's happened on the river, and I was out there doing a little bit of this yesterday, when the river gets down this low, it opens up areas that you can find things that some of them belong in the Smithsonian Institute. Uh, I've got a friend that found a complete half of a jawbone of a mastodon. Now, this jawbone had four or five teeth intact still in the jawbone. It's about three and a half or four feet long. And somebody asked him, says, well, man, where'd you find that? it on the river? He said, yeah, where on the river? He said, oh, somewhere between Memphis and Baton Rouge. He's not about to tell him where he's finding all this stuff. <laughs> it's like a we're fisherman. Finding. You're not going to give away your hole. No. He's finding and we're finding, we found a femur from a mastodon, which is four feet long, totally intact, and that's uh, about midway between Memphis and uh, uh, New Orleans, shall I say there. But we find dinosaur teeth, we find American bison skulls, and you just got to get out on that river and walk those gravel bars and know where to look, but you got to be careful while you're doing it. Well, that's the thing, because the wildlife uh probably a little bit agitated right now because there's not much water around. So they you might find yourself in a situation that could wind up being more dangerous than you thought if you don't know how to handle it. Well, and you and I, I stepped off of a ledge yesterday moving my boat from one sandbar down. I said, whoop. Immediately, the sand that I was standing on turned to jelly. And it was as if you took a, a, a chicken egg and plopped it in a bowl of jello. That's what that whole sand started doing. And I knew if I moved two feet more and squiggled my feet around, I was fit to get sucked out. I hit some quicksand. Now two feet on the other side was solid sand, so you don't need to, you don't need to get out on that river and go walking up around in places that you don't know what you're doing, and you've got to be careful when you're out there. Now I mentioned this before the break, and I've got a picture that you sent us uh, of the Sunflower River at Highway 16 because it's not just the Mississippi River. And Hank, this picture you sent of the Sunflower River at Highway 16, I had a water line break in my front yard last year. I had more water in my front yard than the Sunflower River has in it right now going by this picture. That's correct. And you've got to understand that's at the north end of the Delta National Forest. Now that Sunflower River goes on, meanders on down through all of the Delta National and gets into the sunflower system, the big sunflower and the little sunflower. And now you got the bogue that dumps into all of that. And the bogue is just that dry. They're running four-wheelers underneath the bogue bridge right now on 82 Highway uh, because there's no water in it down there. Now, part of, and this is getting into the pumps, if we can just morph on into there. Part of the new project that was presented to the EPA last year that was vetoed uh, is to put in about 30-something supplemental wells up north of Clarksdale, right at the base of the levee, that will pump underground water out of the Mississippi River Aquifer, where there's plenty of water in there during the times that, of course, it's low right now, but we still got that aquifer right there. During that time, those pumps would be running. It would be putting water into the sunflower, into the quiver, into the bogue, and it would be 
allowing those streams to have water in them during the low water period of time to help the aquatics, to help the snake daughters, to help the snail daughters, to help the pondberry bushes, all of this. So that is an environmental 100% benefit plus when you look at these interior streams that are drying up. Now, the locations where the pumps are to be placed, the original location was at the steel bio gates. They've been changed now to another area. The steel bio gates are closed now to hold what little bit of water they can in the Sunflower River system. We're holding about 18 feet of water now within the Sunflower and the steel bio as far up as it can go. So we're we're holding a little bit of water in uh, uh, the South Delta in the National Forest down there. So the the whole system that was proposed that the prior administration, the EPA of the prior administration, the Corps of Engineers got all together, came up with a plan and said, this is a good plan. And it was approved, and we were ready to go to work, and they changed the administration and the new administration vetoed it again. Now, at this last meeting we had uh, in Vicksburg, the people there were Brenda Mallory. She is the uh, chair of the Committee of Environmental Quality. We had Rodrigo Fox there with the EPA, Michael Connor with the U.S. Corps of Engineers, Martha Williams with the United States Fish and Wildlife Service. We asked Cindy Hyde-Smith, came in there, that's a war horse. I've said that before about her. She knows this project, and she understands it, and she can't figure out why we can't get this thing done. She asked Rodrigo Fox, who actually wrote the uh, veto of this second plan, why, if you say it is an illegal, and Benny Thompson, Representative Thompson, says, we got to follow the law. This is not in the legality of the law. And she asked the lady that wrote the veto, what is out of the law? What are the illegalities of this plan that caused the EPA to veto it? She could not answer the question, and she wrote the veto. Well, and that's not surprising, though, Hank, because a lot of times, uh, especially in, in on the liberal side of uh, things, mindset-wise, the EPA said so, so that makes it law. But the EPA does not does not set law; they interpret it, right? That's correct. And see, this pump was set by law to be put in when they designed the MRT. We have twenty three other backwater areas. In this project, all within 150, 200 miles of, of the South Delta, every one of 22 of them have pumps except this last one does not have it, and it is a basketball. They're just pitching back and forth, laughing their horses off as they do it. And it's ridiculous. They need to go ahead. Let me, let me read you a couple of quotes that came out of that meeting. Rodrigo Fox herself said, the EPA did veto a project, but we did not kill the pumps. We just are committed, and this we will lead this to a collaborative solution. All right. You had the lady with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife. 
We need an implemental and durable project. Flooding is in, unacceptable. And this is a lady that's reporting straight to the president. And Congressman Thompson himself said, we are for flood control. We want the pumps. We can get the pumps under the law. We can work through this. So that's Representative Thompson saying, okay, we can do it. Well, then, Representative Thompson, let's get it done. Tell you what, Hank, we're up against a break. Can you hang on for just a couple of more minutes? I can do it. I like it. Hank Burdine with us live on Middays in the Element Well Studios. We'll wrap things up with him coming up next. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Watch it. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi live in the Element Wealth Studios with Middays and on the air with us, Hank Burdine with the Mississippi Levy Commission. Uh, I've got another question for you, Hank. Yeah. What what can we see? Because if everything fell in place perfectly right now, we're looking at another week, and we both know it's going to be longer than a week before the Mississippi River starts to return to normal. What are we looking at as far as impact on average people? They've never been on the river. They don't have a boat. They, they, they're they not involved in any of that. It's still going to have an impact on regular people, isn't it? It can in a big way also. You can see gas prices if we all of a sudden uh not able to get our gas and fuel and uh, diesel and oil up in here. I spoke with my friend Austin Golden this morning with uh, Golden Barge Line out of Vicksburg. They're having the light load. They're hauling petroleum products. Uh, they've, even, they've even seen a couple of uh, docks where they unload their barges that are falling in the river because they were not designed to be out of water. They were designed to be underwater and all like that, so they're having problems up and down. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be it, it, it's an impact that can be felt all across the board. And the only thing that can solve it is rain. It's rain. That's right. That's right. So let me let me go back while we're there. Here's Tony, and let me finish up on our backwater situation. We had a meeting after the meeting in Vicksburg and Rolling Fork that night with all the people from the from the towns and the farms and everywhere around talking about it. Uh, all of the representatives were there. The uh, the government people, all of them were there. And also Michael Connor, he is the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works. Now, he is in charge of all these kinds of projects. And his last statement that he made was that what we're doing here now, what we're seeing here now, this is a call to act. It's not a call to continue to assess the situation. We've whooped that monkey too much. It's time to turn that monkey loose and let him run. And these are the people that are reporting straight to the president. Now, if what they're listening to, which is seems to me to be the case, they're listening to these environmental organizations that have never set foot in Mississippi, nor the South Delta. We've got a representative here, Lewis Miller, with the Sierra Club. I asked him point blank at that meeting. 
were you here during the 2019 backwater flood? If you're so adamantly against these plans, were you here to see what was going on? He told me, well, I'll have to talk to you about that after the meeting. Hmm. He didn't set foot here. He wouldn't put his, well, he would not come down here and get in here, nor would the lady with the Audubon Society that was so adamant against it. Where are they? Where were they then? And where are they now? During the lowest water period, when all these rivers and streams in the South Delta that they are so adamantly trying to protect and take care of, how come they're not over here looking at it, seeing what it is, seeing what this new program would do to keep water in those rivers? Why aren't they here? Where are they? That's my question. Well, and I think you and I both know the answer to that. It's not about protecting anything. It's about money and power, period. That, that, that's their whole motivation. That, that's the way I see it anyway. And they put one blurb out on an email that goes out to two or three million people, and a lot of them little sweet blue-headed ladies that like them blue-eyed warblers and red birds, and I love those warblers and red birds too. And they're going to send $5 to save that river that we're going to destroy when all the hell we're trying to do is save the river, and it's obviously they are not. Well, unfortunately, this is why I love having you on. This is why I love talking to you, because a lot of people just don't understand the ins and outs, because uh, the Mississippi River, and and the rivers in general, but specifically the Mississippi River, uh, we, we had the Johnny Cash song. It, it's storied, it's famed, and it's kind of taken a life of its own, and people don't really understand the intricacies of it and exactly how it works and how it impacts everyone's life and how much work it takes to manage the river. That's one thing I think very few people fully understand. The river's a lot of work, isn't it, Hank? It's a lot of work. It's, uh, it is what we call the fourth coast of America. We have the Atlantic, Pacific Coast, the Gulf Coast, and we got the Mississippi River running right up the middle of America. That is our fourth coast. And it is a tremendous economic driver. We got to take care of it. We got to take care of the tributaries and the ports and everything that drain into it. And it's all part of a system. Just as a lot of people don't realize, our lakes here in Mississippi, Enid, Arthur Butler, Grenada, and Sardis Lakes, those are flood control reservoirs. That's part of the MRT project. And it is an all encompassing project that works for not only us along the river but for all of America, and really for a lot of the world, because we're feeding a lot of the world because of what we're able to do here with that project. You know, up in the Delta and further north of there, in just a day or two, we're expecting temperatures down in the 20s. And I saw somebody ask this question the other day, and I know the answer, but I'm going to let you give it. Uh, Is there a possibility with it being so low that the river's going to freeze? No. I actually had somebody ask me that, Hank, and I just kind of stared at him for a second. I'm like, no, no. Now, now I'll tell you what, I have seen a picture of my daddy on the Mississippi River back in the 40s when there were big chunks of ice coming down the river, and that was just ice that had broken loose from uh, when it thawed out and was breaking loose up river. But now you, you can tell them quite emphatically that uh, I'll state uh, I'll take $100 that the Mississippi River not going to freeze up down here anytime soon. Uh, if I put any money in that bet, it's going to be on your side, because that, I think that would surprise all of us at this point. Uh, although, 
I'm starting to think that there's another location that could very likely freeze over before some of these environmentalist clubs get on board with the pumps, because at this point, I think they're just fighting to fight, Hank. That's all they're doing. and uh, I, I, I don't think you're very true in what you're just saying right there. So uh, they're fighting to fight because they don't really know what the heck they're fighting either. And that's the problem. If you if you don't fight something, pull your boots on, let's jump up in the middle of it, get in the mud, and and, and let's let's work it out. Let's let's go to go at it. But as it is, all they have is rhetoric and oh, the little of this ain't gonna happen, that ain't gonna happen. Well, when you look at the pondberry plants that I told you about before, in 2008, when it was first vetoed. there were 160 something colonies of pondberry, which is an endangered plant that lives down there in the uh, South Delta. After 2015, a flood that lasted for over six months, they went back into every one of those colonies and they could only find about 68 plants. Now, what are the environmentalists trying to do if they're killing off what they say they're supposed to be saving? It makes no sense to me and they need to put their britches on the other way because they just they ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, Hank, let us know if we reach the point where we all need to run our garden hoses over to the river and turn them on. That that sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> it feels like we're almost headed in that direction if we don't get some rain soon. Well, it, it, before we do that, let's just put a knee on the ground when we say our prayers and beg for a little water to get things back to semi-normal. That's about all we can do. Hank, always enjoy talking to you, my friend. Uh, and let me just say, you lived up to the intro I gave you. I knew you would, but you did. Well, let's do it some more. There's a lot more we can talk about. Oh, I know there is. It's it's a complicated subject, and it's a really important subject that we need to deal with uh, and need to keep at top of mind awareness. And thank you for all that you do to, to try to keep the river flowing. Thank you for having me on, trying to help keep people informed. That's all we can do, Hank. Appreciate it. Hank Burdine with the Mississippi Levy Commission. And as I said, Will, right at the beginning, he, he laughed about the overblown intro. That is one of the most knowledgeable people I have ever met on a subject in my life. One of those people I could listen to, listen to him talk for hours. Yes. Yeah, he he's, uh, he's just good. I mean, think about all the – to me, I would just love to go out there. It would be my luck I'd step off in a – quicksand pit and <laughs> but all the stuff that is creeping up that you're seeing for the first time they found an I, I saw on the news where they saw they found a 19th century uh ship <laughs> he said they found a mastodon femur a mastodon was it skull or something uh, like that? jawbone with jawbone. teeth still in it man yeah cool stuff Somebody with a metal detector and a, a, a zero-level fear of quicksand is having a field day right now. <laughs> I don't know. Growing up, I was always told quicksand was going to be a huge problem in my life by all the TV shows, so I'm not going anywhere yeah. near it. Yeah, a lot of my heroes, you know, got caught up in quicksand. It, it, I've never experienced it myself. I'm sure it's out there. but <laughs> Man, better them than me. That's all I'm going to say. Because that's the problem. It looks like you can walk across it. Yeah. yeah. Not so much. I remember back when I was a kid, they drained Lake Tangipahoa at Percy Quinn State Park. And my dad took me out there with, with hip waders. And we were going to walk out and fish the, the Tangipahoa River coming through there. 
That ground wasn't as solid as it looked like it was. I lost the boot, and it came up to my hip. It was, it was either lose the boot or lose me because I wasn't getting out wearing the boot when I stepped off into one of some of that mud. So, yeah, it's not as solid as it looks. Be careful out there. Final break before we, uh, ironically enough, start talking about the outdoors here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're live in the Element Wealth Studios on Middays. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. Welcome back. Middays on Superdog Mississippi Live in the Element Wealth Studios. Um, Looking at an article that features the Top 15 Most Dangerous States in America. I'm going to spoil this a little bit by saying that Mississippi did not make the list. So yay us. Especially when you consider that the top five, fifth most dangerous, by the way, Alaska. Moose attacks? Bears, maybe? Angry beavers? I don't know, but there's something going on there. Number four on the top five most dangerous states, Tennessee. Number three, Alabama. Number two, Arkansas. And number one, Louisiana. So we are surrounded by the top four most dangerous states, and we didn't make the top 15. We're doing something right somewhere in here. (laughs) Look, we take our wins where we can get them, man. Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana. A complete ring around the state of Mississippi are the four most dangerous states in America, according to this study, and we didn't make the top 15. I guess Louisiana because of New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, Memphis, obviously. Yeah. Alabama? Alabama, well... Well, Birmingham, yeah, that's pretty bad right now. Yeah. Birmingham is bad. Uh, probably violent crime went up quite a bit after Saturday's game against Tennessee. And Auburn's game against <laughs> Ole Miss. Yeah, the, those two, yeah, it's not a good week to be in Alabama. What's in Arkansas? People fighting over the gemstones at the Diamond Crater? What's happening in Arkansas to put them on the list? I don't know. Maybe it's uh, hog attacks. I don't know. And, I mean, they're number two. They're number two on the list. Murders per 100,000 people last year, they were fourth highest in the country in Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, I did not see this coming. Hmm. But here we are. They had uh, 293 homicides last year in the state. Yeah, but... Well, I guess it's per capita. I guess yeah, per doing. capita. Yeah. Fourth Baltimore highest. has that in a month, usually. Uh, murders per 100,000 people in Louisiana, uh, 16, which was the highest, number one in America. Yeah, Baton Rouge and New Orleans pretty rough right now. Alexandria ain't doing too hot. I don't know if you keep up with the news. i got friends that live in Alexandria. Really? Yeah, they, they have their issues. 
right now. The yeah. Alexandria Pineville Joint Metropolitan Area. Uh, I say that there aren't really any problems in Pineville. It's all Alexandria, but yeah, they're having issues over there too. It's it's statewide, I think. Yeah, but I wanted to do this, even though Mississippi is not on here, because number one, we're surrounded by danger in all directions. But number two, to put it in perspective, all we hear is negative and bad, and oh my gosh, it's so horrible here. This is one we can hold our head up. Come to the sip. Yes, just cross the state line from any direction, and you're safer than you were. Yeah, a couple of people saying Little Rock uh, in West Memphis. I've never been to. Little Rock. Uh, I've never been to West Memphis. I've, I've been, always heard bad things. I've been through Little Rock. I uh, recently. I've been to Little Rock back twenty, thirty years ago for a few days for a conference. But you know that was twenty or thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a little different now. Uh, Pine Bluff, Wilson and Greenwood says Pine Bluff is rough. <laughs> There's a bumper sticker waiting to be made for the. Chamber of Commerce up there. Uh, several other people uh, saying it's bad. Uh, Thomas says, had relatives in Alexandria, it wasn't bad 35 years ago, Dave. Yeah, I think we can say that about most places. It wasn't yeah. bad 35 years ago. Now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to give a positive spin on this. Yeah, everywhere else around us is horrible. We're doing pretty good. Yeah. So I, I like to brag. When now that the can. river's down, they can cross over and yeah, they they can cross over without a boat now. <laughs> it's getting worse. So uh, just keep that in mind. Um, by the way, the uh, Hollywood box office report for the weekend: uh, Halloween Ends was number one, but all the way down at number ten in the top ten. Top Gun Maverick is still holding on to a top 10 spot at the box office after 21 weeks. Did you go see it? No. It's amazing. I've heard it's great. It's, it's a little cheesy in parts, but... You expect that. Man, It you walk out of there, USA, you are fired up. It's on brand for it to be cheesy in oh, some man. spots. But you know how, many, how much it sold to be a top 10 movie this weekend? Just under $700,000 in tickets. Wow. Hollywood box office is tanking every week right now. I can't imagine why. Lack of creativity, lack of originality, woke politics. Yeah, it's all adding up to big dollars, baby. No, it's not. All right, we'll do this again tomorrow. Up next, we're headed to the outdoors with Ricky Matthews right after news here on Super Talk Mississippi. Keep it here. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.